The Restoration Movement uh, bred three, uh, three churches, three um, groups of Christianity. We could say three or four. One is called the Churches of Christ. One's called the Christian Churches and Churches of Christ, also known as the CCCC. And one's known as the Disciples of Christ. And there's another one called the International Churches of Christ. It's a lot smaller. But I come from this heritage. Uh, many of you come from the Restoration Heritage. But many of you don't. So this morning, I hope to give you some uh, kind of some working background in the Restoration tradition. Uh, it, it, at one time in North America, it was vibrant and growing. And it was actually the fastest growing form of Christianity in America for, for some time. Um, what I perceive going on in, in my studies is the Restoration Movement is uh, making a comeback. It's reinventing itself. Um, it is... New leaders are rising up. New things are being done. Uh, some of the great strengths of our tradition are being reasserted, being reemphasized. And we're seeing things like we have probably here in this congregation, people who don't have the foggiest idea about the two leaders of the Restoration Movement, two of the great leaders, Stone and Campbell, and it's often just called the Stone-Campbell Movement. There'll be several people here that, that have no idea what that means. That's a very good thing. That means that we are, as a tradition, we are reaching out and bringing people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, in terms of pneumatology or in terms of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was clearly um, within this movement for many, many generations. Because, as I said, people were joining this movement left and right. Hundreds of thousands were joining. Today, this, this movement has... Today, the... Uh, the, the restoration tradition worldwide has about 14 million uh, members. Uh, they're big in Africa, but also big here in North America. A lot of restoration churches. Now, some of you who are from the restoration heritage, I think, are going to find this, this. This is going to be a crash course. You're going to find this to be refreshing. Because instead of talking about what's wrong with the churches of Christ, which we often hear these days, and it sort of annoys me because I come from the Churches of Christ and I find it a worthwhile tradition. I came to know Jesus Christ in the Churches of Christ. And many of you, I suppose, did as well. It has so much to offer. And I'm grateful that we are, leaders like Kelly and others, are sort of trying to bring back some of the things that made this movement so successful and so hospitable, so inviting to people through the years. And so I'm actually giving a, a the, the sermon today will be related to a two-part series I gave for the Pepperdine Lectureship with a guy named Eric Trigestad, who is a journalist for the Christian Chronicle, the main, probably the main newspaper of the Churches of Christ. If you don't subscribe, I hope, I hope you will, because it's a wonderful news journal. You can also get uh, their email updates for free. Um, our restoration heritage goes back to the 1800s, although the what I mean by restoration and what, what scholars mean by restoration is trying to restore the New Testament church. And what we mean by that is that we just want to follow the Bible. We just want to follow the Bible. We don't have an illustrious uh, bishopric, episcopal structure. We don't have great creeds that reach back into medieval ages. 
uh, we, we don't have many of the things that people would associate with proper denominations. We don't have a hierarchical clergy. We don't have a central headquarters. We don't have a place you can say and say, aha, there's where we're based. We don't have a centralized fund. We don't have anything of that. It's always been very unique. People often ask me, what denomination are you from? You're a preacher, right? Yes, I'm a preacher. What denomination are you from? Well, I, I, say, well, I usually just say, I'm from the churches of Christ. But the churches of Christ, it's not a denomination because it doesn't have all that stuff I just mentioned. It doesn't have all that stuff. It's just, it's a fellowship. There's no central headquarters. There's no place that you can point. There's no fund. Uh, there's no hierarchy. It's just people that gather. They, call, they, they try to follow the New Testament. And they gather on Sundays. Very informal. It's a very informal movement. But at one time, it was piping hot because people were seeking that out. People just wanted to go to a church that focused on the Bible. Interestingly, today, one of the fastest grow, growing uh, forms of Christianity is the Bible church movement. The back to the Bible church or the community church. This is precisely the thing that was propelling Stone and Campbell in the early 1800s in North America. But the restoration, restoring ancient Christianity, restoring New Testament Christianity, is something that's been going on for a long time. Luther and Calvin, the, the great uh, reformers, tried to do this. And many other people have tried to do this through the years. But it's just, uh, Stone and Campbell did it, they were very good at doing this in the North American context, although the movement's now worldwide. I'm just going to just breeze through this acronym here, Berean. What's right with Churches of Christ? B-E-R-E-A-N. It's just an acronym I chose, nothing substantive to it, other than it just sort of meets the needs for this cursory overview. You remember the passage in Acts 17. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So biblically focused people. And that is the first trait that I want to focus on. Biblical focus. But we're also an ecumenical group. That sounds like a fancy word. It's not. I'll come to that. Rational inquiry. We've always been a very rational group. Evangelistic we reach out alternative reality, meaning that our loyalty is to Christ. And sometimes that, call, that, that brings us into conflict with our society. So we're an alternative bunch. And then also non-denominational. Biblical focus. What's right with having a biblical focus? Well, I think there's all kinds of things that are right whenever you say, let's just return to the Bible. You don't, I mean, unless you've been associated with the leadership of another of a denomination, you you probably don't appreciate this um, the genius of this restoration, getting back to the Bible plea. Out there, if you join up with a you know a uh, some other church, some denomination, sometimes the decisions are very tricky, very complicated because you have to have people that sign off on different creeds. There's different levels of command that have to approve different things, but in in the churches of Christ, people just sit down in a circle and say, All right, let's just look at the scriptures here. Let's forget the creeds. We don't have any creeds. In fact, uh, for years, uh, 
the, one of the slogans of our movement was, we don't have any creed except the Bible. No creed but the Bible. We just like to sit around in a circle and say, um, what does the Bible say on this? Let, let's, try to follow, let's try to follow the Bible. We don't have to follow what somebody in Washington says or in England or somewhere in Europe. We don't have to do what somebody says out there. We just sit down as a group of believers and we just try to do what the Bible says. It's very informal. Some people would say, oh, that's, that's a little too grassroots for me. Where's the different levels of authority? Well, the, the authority is actually in the local congregation. <laughs> because we just, the local congregation looks at the Bible to determine if what the Bible, to determine what the Bible says. We try to conform to that. Now, what's the temptation in this? Well, the temptation is sometimes, historically, people in the churches of Christ tend to know their Bibles well. I have to say this is fading a bit. I was brought up having to learn the Bible. I had to go to Bible class. And it was Bible class. Bible class. You studied the Bible. I, I grew up that way. And I knew far more Bible than my peers in, in school. I think that's a good thing. Let us not... Let us not become a church that looks elsewhere before we look to the Bible. Let us not lose this strength. Now, the, the temptation is, and we've all encountered Bible bangers that want to prove us something and want to put us down because their knowledge of the Bible is better than ours. We've all encountered that type of person. But we don't, it's not automatic that you become that way. It's not automatic that you get prideful in, in your biblical knowledge. I mean, so there is a level of humility that has to accompany uh, biblical knowledge. But let us hang on to this practice that goes way back, that really Alexander Campbell and Barton W. Stone resurrected. Let us keep that. Let us keep the Bible by our bedside. Let us keep the Bible in our pockets. Let us keep the Bible around us, on the overheads. Secondly, ecumenical. In the Restoration tradition, in the Churches of Christ, we've always been people that say, as it says here, one of our, um, one of our famous slogans, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. So somebody's a member of a Baptist church, fine. Uh, you know where I was just yesterday. We flew in late last night from North Carolina. Before that, we were in the Maritimes. I was actually doing research into the old restoration churches in the Maritimes. And then in, it's fascinating, there's some churches that go way back in the Maritimes. And then, um, then I spoke at a conference a couple days ago on Alexander Campbell's view of Baptists. If somebody's from a Baptist church, fine. I mean, there's, there's no reason not to accept people from other denominations. If they love Christ, if they follow what Jesus said, we, the churches of Christ have always been ecumenical. This word ecumenical basically just means we want unity. We don't want to fight with people about religion. We don't want to get into arguments. That profits nobody. What we want is to come together as Christians, to unite. Let's not let our, our views of this or that issue cause us to segregate from one another, turn our backs on one another, shun one another. We can't allow that to happen. So let us be ecumenical. So, you know, I've heard of some Church of Christ people that will only have fellowship, will only take the Lord's Supper with a card-carrying Church of Christ member. That's nonsense. We, that, that shouldn't be. 
That's not part of our history. That's not part of our fellowship. It's not part of our tradition. That's something that somebody invented. It's man-made. If somebody has the deep loyalty to Jesus Christ uh, that we do, then God makes these final decisions on whether or not who's going to heaven and all that. But we can, we can pray with these people. We can sit down and have a Bible study with, with people that we may differ on different things in Christianity. But we love them and we are eager to unite with them. This has always been one of the great aspects. This ecumenical impulse has always been one of the great aspects of the churches of Christ. And I hope we, we don't become sectarian to where we won't have anything to do with anyone around us. Because some churches of Christ actually have, have done that. Now, there is the temptation. You get so ecumenical that you say anything goes. And that leads to lax discipleship. Let us not go that that route either. But I don't think in this group of believers that that's even a temptation. Rational inquiry. The restoration movement has spawned numerous uh, highly regarded institutes of education. I had to put three there that I've been associated with. Uh, in In the... Bottom, well, I'll start at the top right. That's actually the Bible building where I did my bachelor's degree, Lubbock Christian University in Texas. Then the bottom right is the Bible building at uh, Abilene Christian University where I did my master's. And then the top left is where I teach now at Pepperdine in California. So those are three institutions. But the restoration movement has spawned many. One here in this city, Alberta Bible College. And there's so many across North America and across the world that you'd be surprised actually that have... Uh, that have Restoration Church of Christ roots. Many universities, many highly regarded universities have Church of Christ roots. Like, for example, TCU, a big college football powerhouse. They actually have Restoration roots, and there's many like that. Uh, But we've always been a group that is, uh, because the Campbells and Stone were like this, they thought education is fundamental. And it all goes back to our high regard for the Bible and what's in those pages. Um, but it's also a distrust of emotionalism. Now, I would say that uh, the temptation is that we get so rational that we're not open to the Spirit's leading. But of course, any Christian knows that it's a balance. Of course, we use the Bible as our guide. But of course, we stay open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Of course, we do both. The problem is when you get an emphasis on one to the, uh, to the demise of the other. But it's an interesting fact of our movement that our first, the first Restoration College was named after Francis Bacon, which if you know anything about Francis Bacon, he's the father of the scientific method. This is where you prove something through falsification. So the early uh, Church of Christ movement was very rational, rational based. And basically they said, you know, if it's not in the Bible, uh, if you're asking us to do something in church that's, that's not biblically rooted somehow... We, we, we need to talk about that. It's a very rational movement. Bereans, keep that in mind, Bereans. So what's right? I think we have a strong emphasis to this day. You have programs like LST. Raise your hand if you've heard of LST. Let's start talking. It's this wonderful program. You get people, they fly, based in Texas, but people fly all over the world. Well, we were in Argentina this past year. We spent the last year in Argentina. Pepperdine has a program down there. But in the Churches of Christ there, they have these LST programs. And it's just basically... North Americans, they travel all over the world teaching people to read by using the Bible, uh, teaching them uh, to read English and speak English using the Bible. So it's a wonderful ministry. But we have so many ministries like this that are focusing on improving the mind. 
So this is one of the great things about being a member of the Church of Christ. We need to reemphasize science, engineering, biology. We need to emphasize these things with our with our kids to get them in the to to get them back on track with our restoration heritage, which had a very high regard for colleges and university, being an educated person. In fact, in the in the restoration tradition, the churches of Christ are known for placing people in very good institutions of higher education because of this rational inquiry. Evangelistic, go make disciples of all nations. Let us focus on making disciples. Historically, we've focused on going rather than making disciples. That's the temptation. But of course, this is something that we were very good at through the years. Uh, We were very evangelistic. Um, One of the leaders in our movement, a guy named Walter Scott, in the the Churches of Christ in the early years, this goes back to the the mid-1800s, He baptized, get this, he baptized 30,000 people in his life. Isn't that amazing? He baptized 30,000 people. Uh, There's also one other minister who did that in the Churches of Christ. He was a a black preacher in America named Marshall Keeble. And he also baptized, they say, right around 30,000 people. So we've always been an evangelistic movement. I grew up canvassing the local neighborhood, doing pamphlets. Of course, some of you remember the Jewel Miller series. Of course, it's obsolete today. So I I know of a couple of churches that have tried to do the Jewel Miller series today. It doesn't really work today. But we can't forget that Jesus, the last thing he says before he ascends is, Go, go out and make disciples. Don't forget this. I'm going to leave you with one final message, okay? Go out and make disciples from all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. And there we have it again, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit. So let us quit thinking so hard about us, this church, what do we do, etc. At some point, we have to look across the street. At some point, we have to say, "Okay, fine, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all on the same page here. Uh, Because I think if we navel gaze and get too focused on each other, that we'll find things to pick at. So healthy churches, I think, are looking out there. Healthy churches are looking out, figuring out how to bring in the sheaves. Alternative reality, I briefly mentioned this one. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Barton Stone, interestingly, Barton Stone and another leader in the Churches of Christ in the history, a guy named David Lipscomb, they were interesting fellows. They were very suspicious of the American government. And as a Canadian, you share probably the same view. (laughs) I'm a dual citizen, so I can do both. I can say, USA, and I can also say, wait, USA, hold it now. (laughs) Uh, Well, we were here so long, we became citizens. Uh, we, we love this country. But Barton Stone and, and David Lipscomb were two Church of Christ leaders, big-time leaders in the movement that said, wait a minute, the church is not supposed to be associated with the state. The state is something else. You know, what if you live in Zimbabwe? Uh, what if you live in Croatia? You know, what, who, who knows where you live? What, the state is not what life's about. It's about the church. 
That's as a Christian, the state is fine. Vote, fine. You want to lower your taxes, fine. Go out of there and you know get involved in, in that. But that's not where our allegiance is. And so, for example, David Lipscomb, he thought the, the Civil War was crazy in America, you know, where the America's bloodiest war by far. He just thought, this is crazy. No way should Church of Christ members go out there with guns and shoot each other over, the, over these things. I mean, this is, you don't kill people as a Christian. So even, even if your, your authorities are telling you to kill people, you don't do that. So it's an alternative reality. Now, there's all kinds of parallels with our society today. The hypersexuality of our of today of 2012. Our society, our the churches of Christ has a good history of saying, "Hold it now." Just because everybody's dressing this way, just because everybody's doing something, that doesn't mean I have to do that. So it's an alternative reality. Churches of Christ have always been suspicious of the larger culture, and I think that's a I think that's a very good thing, especially as as culture continues to move away from a general Christian background into a more secular background or a secular ethos, I think it's a good move. I appreciate this, this aspect, this alternative reality, the restoration tradition. But again, the temptation is sectarianism. We've got to be conversant with larger society. We can't be Amish or Hutterites where we're not communicating with anyone outside of our, of our own little fold. I mean, that's why Jesus said, go out into the world. He didn't say, stay on your farm, you know. And then non-denominational. We have no creed but Christ. This is the guy that baptized 30,000 people, Walter Scott. He said, we have no creed but Christ. And then there's also, uh, Campbell said, no creed but the Bible. Um, We should be entirely comfortable these days with this non-denominational movement that's, that's gaining so many members and is swelling because we in the churches of Christ have always been a non-denominational movement. As I said, we don't have all those things, those creeds, all those formulas, all those hierarchies. We don't have all that stuff that makes a a denomination. We should be perfectly comfortable sitting around. We don't have to say, what are the other churches doing? What what does the Church of Christ Pope, probably living in Abilene, Texas, what does he say? We, we We don't have to do that. The Churches of Christ has never done that. We do go to lectureships, and some of you come down to Pepperdine. It's always great to see you guys, uh, those of you who come, like the Zorns and Ashby's and different ones. Uh, we, we have lectureships, and we say, well, what are the other churches doing? What songs are you guys singing? What are you teaching these days? You know, those are kind of ways that we see what's going on. But we don't have anything we have to conform to other than trying to do what the Bible says. So, now the problem is to be ignorant of church history. And as a church historian, I can tell you that's important. It's important to know something about, uh, you know, who Martin Luther was. I have so many students that don't know the difference between Martin Luther and Martin Luther King Jr. And I have to say, okay, this is not the same guy. Because people will say, wow, he was, he was busy. You know, this guy's doing a lot of different stuff through history. <laughs> okay, we, we got two guys here. Uh, so, uh, one thing about Walter Scott. Walter Scott... On the American frontier, Alexander Campbell wasn't the greatest evangelist. He really wasn't. He was a great newspaper editor. He was a a statesman. But Walter Scott was a preacher. He was an evangelist. And he went out, and he's the one that created the five-finger exercise, which he cast it in different ways. But one of the ways he had was uh, hear, believe, confess, repent, and be baptized. 
But he had different renditions of it. He didn't have some steel formula of saying it. He had different ways of saying it. Um, but it worked on the American frontier because people were sick of all these creeds and they said, who's right? Are the Methodists right? Are the Presbyterians right? The Anglicans, the Congregationalists, the Seventh-day Adventists, the Latter-day Saints, which of these movements is right? And he said, it doesn't matter. Just look at the Bible. The Bible tells you a handful of things to do. You, you hear the gospel, you believe in it, you confess your sins, you repent of your, of your sinful life, and you get baptized, and then you can start coming to church. And you're a full-fledged member after that. You don't have to go through a lengthy two-year period of catechism. You don't have to sit on the anxious bench and worry if, if you've been called, if you've been elected, as all the Calvinists preach. You don't have to do all that. You do this quick thing and get baptized, and you know what? God's going to meet you halfway. God's a God of grace. He'll meet you halfway, and you'll be part of the fellowship once you, once you do your part. Once you do your part, meet Him, you're in. It's not complicated. It's easy, isn't it? Simple. And you know what? They founded churches across the American frontier, all over Canada, in the Maritimes. They founded churches in Britain. They founded churches everywhere, Africa, India, all over the place with this basic message. It's uncomplicated. In fact, that's the way that a lot of the people critique us. Is they say, uh, sounds a little too, uh, little too uncomplicated. Well, I've always taken great pride in the, the uncomplicated nature of our fellowship. Well, sisters and brothers, that's all I have. I thank you for hearing me out. Uh, I do want to end with a prayer. But first, I just want to say that this church is a great encouragement to me. Um, Wayne and Curtis, you guys were leading singing the year that my wife and I were here. We always thought that this was the healthiest church we had ever been associated with. You took us in and made us feel at home. We love this church. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak. Thank you for listening to this um, information about what's right with the churches of Christ. Let's start focusing on what's right rather than what's, on, than what's wrong. Would you bow with me? Father God, we're grateful that you have brought us together today. We're thankful for this simple form of Christianity. And we're, we're thankful for how your spirit has moved throughout the restoration tradition throughout the years. And Lord, we ask that you would re revitalize our church and our churches with the Holy Spirit. We pray that we would be pe people full of the Holy Spirit so that others will want to come in. Help us to be lights out there in the world. Father, I ask your blessing upon this wonderful, amazing congregation that you continue to grow them and do great things with them. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.